Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good evening, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Jaybird Watching. We are back. I know it's been a slow offseason the last few weeks outside of some other Major League Baseball news, but we are back and ready to kick off the whole season once a week, every week, maybe a few surprise episodes here. Brendan Panikar, we're back, man. How you doing? We back, baby. Friday night episode. Let's go. Saturday and Friday. Beers. That's, uh, that's rare for us, right? Yeah, very rare. It feels like we've done it a couple times in the last few weeks, but it's been kind of how things have landed with both our schedules being insanely busy over the last few weeks. So, but anyway, are you guys like snowed in with way too many meters of snow up there? <laughs> Definitely have uh, some snow, probably worse than north of the city, but uh, uh, yeah, a little bit of a slippery walk over to the subway uh, this morning and getting home this evening. So hopefully all that shit goes away soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, there's a good half a foot, you know, because i got to be American for five seconds. <laughs> and uh, whatnot here in, the, in good old Rochester, New York. But I cannot be thinking anything else of spring training. And today, Brendan, we got some good news for spring training coming. And we got the Blue Jays non-roster invitees as our first talking point for tonight's show. And there are going to be 12 prospects, including one recent minor league signing that are going to be also a part of this for the non-roster invitees to the Blue Jays Major League Spring Training Camp. And can we talk any more about Nate Pearson being the highlight of this group? But there's some uh, other studs in this. Keep, I'm looking forward to keep it. Talk, <laughs> keep talking about Nate Pearson because you know what, man? You know how last year Bo Bichette was the talking point of spring training and everybody's like, man, just bring this kid north. Same thing with Vlad. It's going to be Nate Pearson this year. Everybody's going to see him, hopefully, go out there, light up the radar gun, and be like, shit, just bring him north, make him live in the rotation, just limit his innings. Don't even send him down to the cold weather in Buffalo. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a talking point, and it's not going to go away any time throughout spring training, Craig. I guarantee that will be one of the top stories, other than Vlad being in the best shape of his life. Yeah, you don't need to worry about him going to Buffalo or Rochester or anywhere here in the International League first roads on I-90 here um, because it's going to be one of those years, I feel like, that winter has kind of been delayed this year, and I just feel like the minor league season is going to be at least two weeks late. <laughs> didn't, that, didn't that happen like two years ago? It where did. The Bison, yeah, the, had like the, 10 the Rochester Games Blue, uh, the Rochester Red Wings and the uh, Buffalo Bisons were supposed to be playing back-and-forth series to start the week. And all of Western New York got annihilated with snow again. <laughs> this is the year that you were seeing the Bills, like you know, in the <laughs> in the snow and everything, and digging out. <laughs> it's that kind of like epic w winter here in West York. And the fact that if it happens that way, I'm not worried about it. At least that means these guys aren't pitching in that; they're working in the complexes and in the gyms and all that kind of good stuff. But I do think that Nate Pearson it will be destined, regardless of how I think he will probably be the talk of camp. I know we have a few guys that we're hoping are rather the talk of camp, but it is what it is. <laughs> so, 
But the rest of this group is pretty damn good, Brendan. And a lot of the guys that we're looking forward to talking about on our you know top prospects list, which is going to start as soon as next week, we have it all compiled. The math has been tabulated. <laughs> we have all our <laughs> well, the, all our. Uh, I need you. Yeah, go ahead. I need you to do the math, man, because uh, I suck at math. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> I went full rotisserie baseball score with it, and um, I guess we could talk a little bit and give a sneak preview with some of our just missed the top thirty countdown guys, and just tease everybody a little bit at the end of the show, maybe. But as far as it goes, Brendan, this group that's going to Dunedin to kick off spring training in a wonderfully new complex is looking pretty good. Outside of Nate Pearson, the other twelve prospects are Brian Baker, Ty Tice, Travis Bergen, Kirby Sneed. Riley Adams, Alejandro Kirk, Nash Knight, Kevin Smith, Logan Wormuth, Joshua Palacios, and Forrest Wall. It's a pretty damn good group of prospects, and plenty of guys that we've talked about on this show rather collectively, Brenda. Is there anybody you'd like to give some screen time to here on this show today out of that group? Yeah, I think right away the two lefties, uh, that could play into the bullpen could stand out right there, Craig. I mean, Travis Bergen last year got some big league time with the Giants when he was selected in the Rule 5 draft. So I would imagine that of the minor league guys who were up in camp, Travis Bergen and Kirby Sneed, the other lefty, maybe Ty Tice as a righty, have the three best shots at cracking the uh, the bullpen uh, when the season opens. Now, that obviously gets into questions, Craig, about who would be DFA'd off of the 26-man roster, uh, as we discussed before we started recording. Wait a second. Um, but yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, uh, it, 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 it's, I think those three for sure. But, you know, other than the studs like Pearson and Alejandro Kirk, I think one of the more fascinating ones to me, Craig, is Forrest Wall, one of the outfielders they got from the Colorado Rockies in the San Juan deal. That's because, as we know, and it bitched about all offseason. The Blue Jays need some more high-end talent in the outfield. Now, I'm not saying Forrest Wall could be that, but, man, he was an all-star down in the minor leagues last year, and he seemed to have made, or take a little bit of a step. If Forrest Wall can put himself on the map in spring training, make people aware of him, he goes down to Buffalo and starts off hot, you never know, man. Maybe they, uh, maybe they could have stumbled into something with Forrest Wall here. I'm really intrigued to see him. Yeah, high-round draft pick for the Colorado Rockies, and it was one of their top prospects for, it seemed like, an eternity at the time where they more or less, I think, gave up on Forrest Wall in that San Juan O deal. The Blue Jays' management has done a pretty good job of finding guys in minor league systems that they like and they pilfer and they know what to tweak as far as things go, and we think we saw that last year with Forrest Wall. It even seemed like right after that trade, Brendan, something was a little different about Forrest Wall from what I had seen in the minor leagues from him previously. There's something about that swing, man. There's a little sweetness going on there. I wouldn't be shocked if he all of a sudden comes into spring training hot. And hopefully that's what happens because that would be a very nice surprise for the Blue Jays in a very convoluted outfield situation here where everybody is kind of not rising to the top. You know what I mean? It's kind of just we could all be about the same. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't agree more. If he could just sing in a bottle, you never know. (laughs) Sorry, you never know what it could be. It could just be a coach that's really connected with him down in the minor league. It could be anything that's really sparked his turnaround. But the kid obviously has talent, Craig. And, you know, I think there's a few other guys that are on this list that really need to start impressing in spring. And I think at the top of the list for me, in terms of some of those guys that 
I think and hope put themselves back on the map is Kevin Smith and Logan Warmoth, two of the higher uh, round infielders that they picked in previous drafts. Kind of falling off the table a little bit with the rise of Santiago Espinal as we continue to praise him since acquiring him for Steve Pierce and, and others. I mean, even if they just have a fantastic spring training and start putting themselves on the map around the major leagues, and they could be used as trade pieces come the trade deadline to get a, an asset if this team is hovering around 500. So go out there and rake Kevin Smith and Logan Warmoth because you need to. <laughs> yeah, it would it would be very nice to see those two come back to form. And I think they both had that talent to be able to do that. It's whatever the heck that piece was the last year just seemed to, you know, the chips didn't fall the way that they were planning, obviously. But Kevin Smith has insane power. I saw this kid play in Lansing. And a few times, and I was just blown away by how hard he hits the ball. Great bat speed. I didn't get to see Logan Warmoth too much, and while he's, I've been wandering around. But the two of them just pair so nicely, and this organization depth just looks insane if those two return to form. Because I don't even know if I want to prelude where they might be on our third top thirty prospect cop countdown, but. <laughs> It is what it is, folks, <laughs> and they're a lot lower than I would have expected, as I guess I'll give you your tease. <laughs> um, but who I would like to see, and I'm looking very forward to seeing, is Riley Adams and Alejandro Kirk, the two other young catchers. That's oh, you. yeah. Riley Adams has been literally not even in this conversation. All kinds of talent, but hasn't really mustered it all together. You've seen it in good flashes in the minor leagues where Alejandro Kirk has been a freaking little stubby hitting machine. <laughs> and I've loved every minute of it. Watching Kirk hit the ball is very, very good stuff. Um, and then the other one I really liked, I've always liked the tools that Josh Palacios has. I just waiting for that last piece of his game to develop. And I always wondered how much of it was a maturity thing. And he's getting in that ballpark now where he's been in double A and he's looking around double A and possibly tipping into the triple A level if that last piece finally comes through for him. This guy's got mad wheels and plays great defense. And that is something that this outfield desperately needs, isn't it? Somebody who has wheels can cover a ton of ground. And you know, he's 24 years old, Craig, so he's starting to get up there in age a little bit. So Palacios has got to go out there and really put himself uh, out there for a promotion, a quick one, yeah. to, to Buffalo. Uh, once the season begins and you never know where the season could take you and uh, how things shake out you never know at being 24 years old you could see him at the big league level as the season goes along yeah he could be very much in the Jonathan Davis mold right now I think and you wouldn't be really noticing much of a difference between the two of them very quick very good defenders and I had seen Joshua Palacios uh, rake in Lansing and Dunedin so it's there it can happen but it just hasn't progressed further past those levels i don't think so hey that's what spring training's for you roll the dice with josh and give him some chance to see some major league pitching in spring training you never know what could happen and it might be that last thing that gives him that oh wow i need to work on this and then that's what develops all of a sudden absolutely you never know somebody can get absolutely hot in spring training you see it in the past and it's just contained to the minor leagues and they end up coming up and having an impact at the big league level it really wouldn't surprise me if some of these higher end guys really start to to do that as the season goes along and it all starts in spring training go out there and make an impression and make yourself known and get fans to clamor for you i think that's a big one the more you're talking about on twitter the better you probably are doing <laughs> yeah 
So just to put it out in perspective, pitchers and catchers report next Wednesday, Brendan. <laughs> That's insane. So. That's insane. It's come so quickly. And then we have our first major squad uh, workout on the on the 17th, and games start on the 22nd. Wow, I need to hurry up and get my MLB.com freaking uh, <laughs> subscription in. <laughs> so it is what it is, fella. So, But let's talk some last other little news bits here before we dive into what the main focus of this show is going to be, the Mookie Betts American League East fallout, folks. But, but like I said before that, let's talk a couple other Blue Jays highlights first. The Blue Jays signed a familiar face today, Brendan. Do you want to go for it? Jake Patrichka, or however the hell you pronounce his last name, Patricka, Patricka. I believe it's Patricka, like kind of like there's a, a, yeah, a C H in there. Pronouncing it wrong for three years, so don't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's at least five different pronunciations that guys use for Patricka's name, but yeah, Galvis, man, maybe, don't worry maybe, about maybe, it. Yeah, Galvis, I still can't, <laughs> I still can't believe that that was actually a thing last year. Oh like God. this guy by everybody was always called Galvis, and then they're like, no, it's Galvis. <laughs> Wait, what? Sounds like Todd Tabler. <laughs> <laughs> a baker powder, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, though. But, so, uh, yeah, 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 bringing I mean, him back, it's a decent sign, right? It's more depth. <laughs> yeah, and Patricia, we saw him uh, in 40, uh, 41 games for the Blue Jays, Greg, back in, uh, in 2018. And, you know what? He was okay. He didn't hurt the Blue Jays. He actually brought no value. His F4 came in at 0.0. So he didn't hurt them, but he also didn't help them. And you know what? If you get a few solid outings as a reliever and you can kind of keep that rolling. I mean, you've seen some of the stuff that Patricia has. Even back in 2014 when he was with the White Sox, he was starting to close games for them, uh, getting 14 saves in 73 innings with a 296 ERA. So there is some talent there, and he actually has quite a, uh, a good fastball, good velocity on there. So uh, I don't mind it. They're familiar with him, and clearly – uh, I guess Pete Walker may have whispered something into the ears and be like, hey, if, he, if he's out there, might as well give him a call and bring him back because uh, he does have a live arm. He didn't see much major league action last year, though. Yeah, and I think the key is the movement on his pitches. And when he gets that last little bit of movement on his fastball, you literally see him missing bats. And then the days where that doesn't do that, it's home run balls, especially in the Rogers Center. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so big difference in day-to-day stuff for Jake Patricia, but it is what it is, and I think this is right back what we said a bajillion times on this show. There is no such thing as a bad minor league signing. Worst case yep. scenario, Brendan, he's in Buffalo, and you've got another valuable arm to come up if somebody is either you know not quite getting it done or gets hurt. This is just exactly the kind of stuff that they should be doing to fill in these little holes because there are some good chances that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes of right things happening for the Blue Jays this year. Things could happen. So, anyways, let's talk about some of our other recent past, Mr. Panikar. Kendris Morales apparently officially announces that he retired from Major League Baseball today in an interview with ESPN. He is slightly frowny face. I love love the person that... Kendris Morales is, and he was fun to watch for two years. It just hurt, and I know for all Blue Jays fans, the fact that most people didn't like Kendris Morales was the fact that Kendris Morales is not Edwin Encarnacion. <laughs> yep, that is the only reason, Craig, the only reason why Morales just kind of had a, a dark cloud always hanging over him when he was uh, with the Blue Jays. It's unfortunate because, you know what, man, he's a good hitter. 
Uh, he really was. Uh, more so earlier in his career, he kind of tailed off a little bit towards the end there. But in 2018, he had a better season than he did in 2017 with the Blue Jays. 2017, I think, you know, he came in, he understood that a fan favorite, uh, historic Blue Jay, an all-time Blue Jay, and Edwin Encarnacion is gone, and he had to fill in his shoes. And ultimately, it didn't really work out. I mean, Morales wasn't, like, atrocious by any means, but he just wasn't Edwin Encarnacion. And he did bounce back a little bit in 2018. And with all the positional flexibility this front office continues to talk about, Craig, there just wasn't any room for him to uh, be on the big league roster uh, come opening day 2019. And that's where the whole Joe B and Genie trade thing happened. <laughs> he was not part mark. of the ridiculous amount of years of control. <laughs> no, he was not. He definitely was not. <laughs> so, I, I, I always loved watching Kendris Morales, especially back in the day when he was wearing the Angels jersey because this guy just could rake at the plate. And I hate saying this, but I can pinpoint the, where his career started going south. And it's yep. literally a certain home run ball that he somehow breaks his leg when he stomps on home plate during a home walk-off celebration. How could you go from the highest of highs to literally the lowest of lows in the matter of a second? <laughs> it's just, I, he, this guy, the year before that, was just destroying baseballs to the point, Brendan, where he was batting 306, had 43 doubles and 34 home runs to barely getting the 51 games, batting 290 at that time, and it breaks his leg the following year in yeah. 2010. Literally was <laughs> one of the premier up-and-coming talented bats at that time in baseball. And just, he didn't come back the same. The power wasn't as there as it was. There was plenty of it still. But this is a guy I was starting to think in you know late 2008, watching him in the minors, 2009 when he came up. I'm like, this is a guy that's going to hit 40 home runs and have 100 RBIs every stinking year. The, oh, yeah, no doubt. The most no home doubt. runs he ever hit in a season was that 34 in 2009 when he had his career highs in most categories before the injury. And you know what, Craig? He was definitely on track to have a better season in 2010 than 2009. Mm -hmm. And he, then he broke his leg, and it's just like, oh, damn, this guy is going to be out. And he was out. He missed his whole season. Yeah. After he broke his leg, he was out all of 2011, came back for one year. And you know what? He had a decent year, but – that was more the Kendrick Morales with the 119 weighted runs created plus, like not an elite well, we hitter, but still good. Exactly. At least what we saw. So, yeah, other than that one year that he had in Kansas City when the Royals won the World Series where seemingly everything went right for that team, Kendrick Morales came close to bouncing back to what he was with the Angels in 2009 that season. Everything else from 2010 onwards, yeah, I, I agree with you. It just it wasn't the same for him. It didn't seem the same, at least. There's just something missing. But I, I completely agree. At one point, I thought he was going to be the next great power hitter and do it for years. And then, you know what? I think it just all caught up with him. Maybe not so much the yeah. fact that he broke his leg, but just age and everything slowing down. And he wasn't exactly free of foot either. <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing what not having a good foundation at the plate will do to you. But, Brendan, as far as Kendris Morales' legacy in baseball goes, He's going to be known as one of the better RBI switch hitters in recent memory, I think. Not on the level of somebody like Chipper Jones, but as far as switch hitters go, Brendan, there's not been a lot of them over the last few years. And this is a guy that was going to hit you 20 bombs and be around 80 RBIs 
every year. That's saying a lot, I think. And the fact that he was usually posting above a 260, 270 batting average, that's pretty good stuff that a lot of teams are going to miss. It is. And you know what? I think the one thing that Blue Jays fans can thank Kendra's Morales for, and I guarantee you this was a thing, Craig, because it was kind of whispered about on Twitter that the reason why the Blue Jays signed Kendra's Morales was because he's represented, actually, him and Luis Gurriel Jr. have the exact same agent that represents them both. And so... The Aren't they family friends, was, too, or something like that, if I recall? I believe so. I believe they are close family friends. And you know what? Kendrick's was a huge mentor to both Gurriels, but Lourdes especially, as they were teammates. But um, I'm pretty sure that part of the Blue Jays getting Lourdes Gurriel Jr. was conditioned on, on them signing Kendrick's Morales, which is why they did it so early in the offseason. Remember, that was, that signing was like, a week or two after the World Series had concluded. Yeah, and the Blue like Jays had just finished the ALC. started yet. <laughs> right? And it was early. I'm like, okay, I mean, I don't dislike Kendris Morales at all. I actually like him. Uh, it just seems a little odd that you're acting this quickly when you have Edwin Encarnacion on the free agent market. So he had a few good highlights here, Craig, a few walk-offs, a few absolute moonshots. But I think Blue Jays fans can definitely thank him for getting Lourdes Gurriel Jr. to the Blue Jays because – I'm pretty sure that was a package deal. Yeah, and if it wasn't a package deal, one way or the other, we had a void at first base DH at the time. It filled up something that we needed, and he was salvageable, very, playing very, very good baseball for somebody his age at that point in baseball. The fact that he was, like I said, Brendan, is an 80 RBI guy the one year, and in all reality, if he got a few more at-bats in 2018, it could have looked very similar both years, I think. And that is nothing to, sl- to slouch at. And the fact that we didn't have anybody else to play first base, <laughs> other than Justin Smoke when he was just completely tearing the ball off, you know, you're not going to have two really good first basemen usually all at once. And having Smoke play first base in great defense and hit the ball as hard as he did for two years, and having somebody like Kendris Morales behind him that's also a switch hitter, it worked out pretty well, I think. You know, it, it was so fun watching Kendrick Morales actually play from first base for the first time in years because he didn't look as much of a train wreck as people thought he was going to be. He actually held himself together pretty well when he played over at first base, so I got a, a, a good kick out of when he was over there. Don't it forget was, he basically uh, was, was the Yankees' first baseman for a point this year, too. Yeah, he had to be. They were so <laughs> depleted at first base. They're like, uh, okay, you're the only but you're the only guy here. Kendrick, come play first base, please. <laughs> Uh, one last, I'm going to say Canadian baseball news as far as this one goes, as the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame has announced this year's inductees, Brendan, and this is a pretty cool class. I'm happy with it. Um, you know, Larry Walker gets inducted to the Baseball Hall of Fame. The Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame turns around and brings on one of the native sons and Justin Monroe, or Justin Morneau, and then you have John Olerud and Dwayne Ward, who are in my opinion, quintessential Blue Jays, whenever I think of the two of them. And I still think of Johnny O only wearing a Blue Jay helmet, nowhere where he is <laughs> as far as he had some of his best years with the Mets and the Mar- Mariners as well. It's There's nothing better than John Olerud being part of Whamco and everything to me. It's just one of those things you literally could tune into the TV back then and you just see a trade with watching the five of them just go at it. So insanely talented players coming into the, the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. You had to have at least watched Justin Morneau play as much as you did, being... Oh, yeah. Loved sure. watching him I for believe, years. 
I believe I was actually at the game where Morneau sustained his concussion oh. um, and really derailed his season because um, I believe the game I was at, the Blue Jays were wearing the powder blues, and I distinctly remember him, I believe, sliding into John McDonald uh, at shortstop. I think it was Johnny Mack, and they were wearing the powder blues. So I'm pretty sure, Craig, I was at that game, which was so unfortunate because, man, if Morneau did not sustain that concussion, which really started to derail him, I mean, he still had some good seasons after that with the Rockies and the Twins, but it wouldn't have been such a stretch to say that Morneau could have been a, a, a Hall of Famer uh, if he stayed healthy his entire career, because Morneau was at one point, he didn't, he won MVP one yeah. year. He was fantastic. So it's unfortunate the way his career went, but man, he was a fan favorite. And I, I remember in the World Baseball Classic in 2009, the one year that it was in Toronto, um, I bought a jersey, a Justin Morneau uh, World Baseball Classic Team Canada jersey, and it was one of my favorite jerseys ever, just because I loved Morneau at the time. The guy was a perennial just talent, and I think you're right with it, as far as some of the some of the luster all of a sudden was gone after that concussion. But the guy could still just freaking mash at the plate, <laughs> and, and what a first baseman. The biggest thing I think about what he played in during his time is he got lost in the wash with a lot of those other insanely good first basemen of that those that age, and it is what it is. But as far as comparable players, I always thought Justin Morneau was a more powerful John Olerud. <laughs> it's not crazy. It's not far off. The swings were eerily similar if you look at the feed and everything. They always batted 300, and you know Morneau would usually be bought more in the ballpark of the 30 home runs versus Olerud probably being in the 15, 20s. But, oh, my God, just watching the two of them play baseball was just quintessentially awesome. And watching Dwayne Ward as the other Hall of Fame inductor, inductee here, God, come watching him come out of the bullpen to just air it out in the World Series those couple of years was just amazing. It's like nothing could stop him. So. I, uh, I'm i jealous you got to see all those guys. I, I truly am. So I'm taking everything you say, uh, and, and I will agree with everything you say. <laughs> I'm noticing this as like a 12-year-old kid too, dude. <laughs> there was something <laughs> wa- something special about watching those guys play in 92 and 93 and literally whenever they happened to be on TV here in the States, it was must-see TV for me, my dad and I. And it was just great that they got to the playoffs and the World Series and everything those years. And like I said, watching Dwayne Ward just mow through major league hitters is – a thing of beauty. The only thing that sucked as far as, honestly, this is a guy that could have been one of the best closers in the game, I think, but injuries, arm problems, all sorts of things has compiled up on Dwayne Ward as well, but that's unfortunately how the game goes, guy. <laughs> Didn't when they had Tom Hankey, when Ward set up for him, right? Correct. And the two of yeah. them at the end of the game, there's a reason in 92 we just rolled over everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's insane. If you could have Dwayne Ward and Tom Hankey, based on what I've heard about both of them uh, and watched both of them, that's uh, that's that's having two elite closers at the back end of your bullpen, essentially. It's awesome. Yeah. Blue Jays fans, for the younger millennials out there, I know, like I said, I'm dancing on the line at 35 where I'm just <laughs> old enough to remember. <laughs> but if you can YouTube footage of these guys pitching, you're going to just be in awe watching Dwayne Ward go. And same thing with John Oldrude. There was a point, Brendan, that when Ted Williams was interviewed, the Ted Williams, Red Sox insanely good, last guy to hit 400, Ted Williams. 
He said if anybody <laughs> might be able to beat his uh, or well, match the 400 batting average like he did, he said it would be John Olerud if he was just a little bit faster. <laughs> he beat said that in an interview. It's ball. on record. <laughs> so it's good stuff. But that's how good of a hitter John Olerud was. I'm trying to load up his Fangraph page right now, Justin or John Olerud, while I talk about him. So he, what was his highest? Yeah, he came close one year, 363. And 370, no, 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 that was uh, in only eight play appearances. In 1993, the Blue Jays had the best three hitters in Major League Baseball. It was John Olerud with some insanely ridiculous gaudy number of a batting average. <laughs> and then Paul Molitor and Roberto Alomar. John Olerud in 1993 had an on-base percentage of 473. He was almost on base half the time. That is insane. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, watching John Olerud hit was a thing of beauty. And there was a reason in 2001 that only not only Ichiro went off the handle, but John Olerud was on that team that was the most winning team in Major League Baseball in a season, if I recall right, is the 2001 Seattle Mariners. Uh, yeah, you're right. The 2001 Mariners, what was it, 116 or 113, something, something like, like that? that. But that's a that's a Ken Griffey Jr. list. <laughs> Seattle yeah, Mariners at that point, <laughs> too. It was insane to see that all of a sudden that, you know, you get John Olerud and Ichiro in that lineup, and there's just hits parade going on, and Alex Rodriguez, so... <laughs> it was what it is, but like I said, there. If you want to study hitting, especially if you're a left-handed hitter, just go take check out video of John Olerud. This guy rakes. <laughs> so anyway, Brennan, should we dive into the topic of the hour? Ooh, let's do it. Let's do it, Craig. Tee it up. Let's go. All let's right. go. Major League Baseball news, and with possible fallout to helping the Toronto Blue Jays. Mookie Betts is close, Brendan, <laughs> close to being traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers with teammate David Price and a bunch of cash, apparently. <laughs> ton of cash. Ton of cash. <laughs> Just boom, banked. <laughs> For the Red Sox in a three-team trade with the Minnesota Twins, those are the two players going to the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Boston Red Sox get Alice Verdugo from the Dodgers, and apparently the current holdup is Bruce Starr Gratterall from the Twins, the pitcher, and then the Twins get Kenta Maeda from the Dodgers. That is a pretty epic trade of many proportions <laughs> for three different teams getting really what they all want out of this whole thing, I think, Brendan. Twins want a pitcher. Absolutely. Red Sox Absolutely. want the young talent and the money freedom, and the Dodgers get a guy that's going to be insanely complimentary to the reigning MVP and Cody Bellinger. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> My only question with this, Craig, is why do the Twins want to part with Gratterall? Because this guy, I believe, last season hit 103. Now, I know he's had a ton of injuries, or he has had a recent injury pass, but that seemed like a steep price to pay for just Kenta Maeda. I mean, Maeda's all right, but, like, it's not like it's worth parting with one of your best pitching prospects to get Kent Maeda. So, out of all three teams, I think the Twins, even though they needed a high-end guy and needed to get somebody, because they, they were one of the main ones for Hunjin Ryu, and as soon as they lost him, they're like, crap, 
we don't have a high-end starter. So they went out and got Shasin. They went out and got Rich Hill uh, and one other. And Maeda, I mean, he's not as high-level uh, and high-ceiling as Hanjin Ryu is. But, I mean, it's not terrible. It just seems like an odd piece of business for the Twins. But I guess they're happy. Yeah, <laughs> odd piece of things, but I think it's one of those things that it's more quality innings than they had last year. Right, it is. I think sure. that's where they're going with this whole thing. But maybe the other thing is like, no, oh, we couldn't get Ryu, so maybe we'll just go for another Dodger pitcher and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you know what? Now I think of it, Craig. It's actually, I mean, if if the the end goal is just to show up the rotation a little bit and plug in Maeda as a, as a three, I mean, you, you're looking at a, a really good ace and Barrios, and then you brought back. Uh, Odorizzi and then Maeda. That's actually a pretty decent top three when you start looking at it. So maybe it's not as bad as I'm making it out to be, but still seems like a steep price. In my opinion, it's worst case scenario. We have, it's similar to the Blue Jays rotation. You just have good consistency throughout, right? And then they're yeah. going to bludgeon people True. with that ridiculous offense. <laughs> yeah, the Twins off. The Twins could be uh, an outside candidate for World Series champion. Like I'm just throwing my hat in that ring right now. I've always kind of had a soft spot for the Minnesota Twins for some reason. More so after visiting their ballpark. Oh, yeah. found that out. Joe Maurer, all those guys back in the day. But, uh, yeah, I know the Twins Twins could be um, uh, a good uh, value bet to uh, win the World Series. Maybe you should go place your money on them right now. Yeah, and they, I think with that offense, we already had the most home runs in Major League Baseball last year, Minnesota Twins. And then you add Josh Donaldson and company to that lineup, it's going to be scary. Yeah, very scary, very scary. So, But as far as what the Red Sox are getting out of this, Brendan, before we start diving into possible ramifications throughout the league in this trade, the Red Sox are trying to give their new management some flexibility. They finally fired or hired Ron Renicky today. Apparently, was what the other news yes. was, which I thought was honestly for where their team is going, a rather good move on their part. And I'm kind of upset about it. <laughs> I'm competitive. And I want to bludgeon the Red Sox. So, as far as their team, somebody that's going to find a way to more or less get all the baseball out of the guys that they do have after losing bets and price. Renicky's a guy I think that could light a fire under the remainder guy's ass. And it's not that they're losing everybody. This is a team that's still going to have Rafael Devers, who emerged as one of the best hitters in the American League basically last season, or at least a doubles machine. They have Xander Bogart still and Andrew Penitendi. This is a long offense that's still young and has a lot that could go right for them. But they also took a giant hit in losing a former MVP and the face of the franchise in somebody like Mookie Betts. Oh, man. I I mean, it's not a stretch at all to say that Mookie Betts, the last two, maybe three seasons, has been the second best player in all of baseball right behind Mike Trout. Uh, And Mookie Betts is an insane talent. And if I was a Boston Red Sox fan, Craig, I am pissed beyond belief that they actually pulled the trigger and just did not want to pay Mookie Betts because J.D. Martinez would be... I would probably, I would imagine, with another good season, be opting out of his deal after next season. So you can use that cash to get rid of him. The thinking here, Craig, which doesn't make any sense to me. So apparently they exchanged numbers before this deal happened. The Red Sox came in at, I believe, 10, 350 or 300, something like that. And Mookie Betts came in at 12, 420, I believe. 
So there's already a discrepancy there. So why do you think getting rid of bets to get rid of David Price's salary, which is a lot, it is a lot of money committed to David Price over the next three years, but why do you think Mookie Betts will come back to you if you didn't value him as much as he did when you had him? Just sign him and find a creative way to get rid of Price's money that way. I don't know. It just seems like a really backwards way of doing things because that's what people think, right? People think that they're going to use the money saved from David Price to try to re-sign Mookie Betts when he's a free agent. But who's to say he's not going to re-sign with the Dodgers? You're going out, you're going to be a star in Los Angeles. Beautiful weather all the time, and you uh, like the Dodgers are stacked. Luxury tax, <laughs> right? <laughs> Why not stacked. sign with you, bats? <laughs> right? I completely agree. So uh, there's a good, like, very good chance he could just fall in love with Los Angeles and re-sign with the Dodgers. So this could backfire massively for the Boston Red Sox. And hey, I'm all, I'm all here for it, buddy. I'm yeah. all here for it. So. Being in New York, there's a plethora of Red Sox fans here, and I know there's plenty up in Toronto as well. I have spoken with a bunch of my friends that are diehard Red Sox fans, and honestly, they are not even hurt about this whole thing. Is they didn't think that Mookie Betts ever had a chance of signing for them long term. They thought one way or the other, he was going to be gone. And they wonder, and this is coming from a few people I know, they wonder how much Mookie Betts is actually a flash in the pan. I don't see that, but I can see the argument enough to know, okay, maybe they've seen something because they watch more Mookie Betts than I do. Because all I see is the Sports Center highlight reel. <laughs> or when he's destroying yeah. the Blue Jays. <laughs> I mean, I, you go back and look from the start of 2015. I So I'm going to throw 2015 out the window, kind of, because he's just getting started. So 2016, he had an 8.3 F war. 2017, it went back down a little bit to 5.3. Then he had the insane 2018, the year the Red Sox won the World Series, where he bat 346, 438 OBP, a 185 weighted runs created plus, and a 10.4 F4. And then even 6.6 last year, it's kind of hard to replicate a 10.4 F4 season. And 6.6, that's damn good. That's elite level stuff. He's been an elite level player for three of the last four seasons. So, I mean, I guess, I don't know. I, 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 I'm kind of floored by... By my friends um, thinking. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> I'll be completely honest. I think the way that they also awesome. saw it was, too, that was this is money that they can spend and spread out is the other catch. Maybe they don't yes. even go after anybody like that. And they complement this team to the tune of what really brought the Blue, the uh, Red Sox those World Series in those few years was really collectively spreading out the talent, especially their most recent World Series win, right? Yeah, Mookie Betts and all the company were emerging, but in all reality, their big star on the team at the time was J.D. Martinez. So yeah. as far as who you just took and wrote an open check for <laughs> there was, it wasn't the previous Red Sox let's just r- throw money at everything and get Manny Ramirez <laughs> you know and run away with it so um, yes they had like I said Chris Sale and company but I, that's the other thing a lot of them just don't know what the hell to do with Chris Sale so that's the next Red Sox move probably between him yeah. and Jerry Martinez there is a ton of money committed to Chris Sale and is he really going to be the Chris Sale that you think of when you think of Chris Sale, or is it going to be the random wild card that can't make it all the way through a season? So 
maybe they turn around and spend more of that money on pitching than somebody like Mookie Bats. Right. Well, it's a fair question. As man, like, we were really starting to see Chris Sale labor for the first time in ages this past season. I mean, he had a only Human. pitched 147 innings and 4.4 ERA. It was not good for Sale. I mean, some of that seems like it's bad luck based on his Fangraphs pages. His FIP um, uh, field in, fielding independent pitching was down at 3.39, so that's significantly better. But even still, just on the surface, when you're just looking at it, you're like, shit, what happened to Chris Sale? So uh, maybe his arm's about to fall off. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> that, that delivery, man, I'm surprised that he hasn't had a history of arm issues already, but uh, yeah, maybe the innings that he totaled. Yeah. So, but then again, maybe it's an even oddier thing. Maybe he's Rick Porcello 2.0. <laughs> so, yeah. But anyways, let's talk some of the fallout here before we dive into the exact pros and cons thing that you wanted to do here between the Blue Jays and the now new look Red Sox. Falling out for the American League in general, especially the American League East, what does this do to your wild card picture, Brennan Panikar? Ooh, that's a good question because I'm not even sure with Mookie Betts I had the Red Sox in a wild card spot to be completely honest with you um, I mean going through it now I think that completely eliminates them from the conversation unless some people get hot and stay hot throughout the entire season but I think it definitely opens the door Craig for the potential of the Blue Jays and Red Sox to be battling it out for a third place Maybe if the race slip a bit, you never know. Maybe second place. I mean, that's getting optimistic. But in the whole picture, I mean, this could open up the White Sox taking a big jump forward uh, and being a wild card team, or it could mean that wild cards are coming from uh, the American League West and maybe the American League Central. Maybe the Indians could get in there. Who knows? I mean, it will adds up to some more wins for the Rays and the Red, uh, the Yankees when they play Boston. Uh, but I, I think it just puts the Red Sox, uh, in my books, not in the playoff conversation as of right now. I mean, they're still a good team. they still got some good players. But, I mean, you just lost your best player. You lost your superstar. And so a great pitcher that eats innings regardless of what's exactly. going on. David Price is exactly. no slouch and definitely needs to be part of this whole conversation. As far as David Price goes, regardless of what Red Sox think of fans think of him, this is a guy that's still put in almost 200 innings the last couple of years. So, oh yeah, it's a guy that's eating up innings that's no longer taking up those innings that is now going to all of a sudden shift weight to Chris Sale and company for guys that were already like we were talking about a minute ago having fatigue problems. So there's going to have to be a stand-up thing for the Red Sox here, for them to be, I still think on paper, they're right at that same level as the Blue Jays and the Rays. But I think the team that benefits actually the most from this whole situation in a wild-card picture all of a sudden is the freaking Chicago White Sox. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't disagree, man. I don't at all. I agree. Because the Cleveland Indians, regardless that they still have ridiculous – pitching even after trading Corey Kluber (laughs) that that offense just doesn't strike me as anything special and the fact that that Lindor is allegedly still being shopped I'll believe that when I see it right now this whole Mookie Betts thing is putting a screeching halt to any other offseason moves until it is finally signed off on 
Um, and apparently the MLBPA is getting really pissy about that. <laughs> <Just saying. laughs> um, but as far as this goes, the, the, the Chicago White Sox are all of a sudden a team, in my opinion, that are in that similar mold of the Blue Jays that just have that next striking spot that they were on the outside looking in maybe, unless a few things went right. But they had the right signings in the offseason that really filled in their gaps. And I can make the argument that they filled in the gaps a little bit better than the Blue Jays in certain things because they had some of the – but their talent level on the young side wasn't anything like what the Blue Jays have. And I think that's where we're going to segue into the next pr- part here, Brandon. And seeing you're going to be kind of absent <laughs> for the next couple of weeks, this was your idea. I want you to run with it, and you can host this piece. <laughs> Let's go, buddy. I'll do it. I, I got to end with a bang, right, without yeah. being able Ooh. to hop on for the next two weeks. So let's do it. <laughs> so my idea, Craig, when we hopped on and we got talking, going through the agenda, the rundown, was now that Mookie Betts is gone, why don't we go through on each depth chart and see on it. Like, well, I, Obviously, we're going to be biased to our team. We're going to be biased to the Blue Jays, but we'll do our best to take uh, a neutral fan's perspective on choosing who has the advantage at each position. Uh, so with that, let's start going through. Where do you want to start, Craig? I'll, I'll let you start. Do you want to start with the bullpen, the rotation, or do you want to start with position players starting with catcher? I think we start with the pitching first, period. I don't care if you go bullpen or starting pitching, but I think we need to literally hit with a bang, which is what the Blue Jays fans are here for. <laughs> That's true, and the big bang this offseason was on the rotation side of things with Ryu. So let's kick that off. So, Craig, if you were to go through and had your choice between right now, this is how the Blue Jays' depth chart goes. Hunjin Ryu, Tanner Roark, Matt Shoemaker, Chase Anderson, and Ryan Barucki as the top five. Versus Chris Sale, um, Eduardo Rodriguez, Nathan Ovaldi, David Price still is as a fork because the trade hasn't gone through. So you can scrap him and move Martin Perez up to the four slot, and they don't wouldn't have a fifth starter uh, listed there. After. I'll give you so, one up, you one on the starting pitcher fifth on rostersource.com. They're giving me Matt Hall, who I have no idea who the hell they are. He is. Uh, <laughs> I see starter. him. <laughs> I see him at the very very bottom of the bullpen depth chart. Twenty six at his Got a full bit service of a time of point zero seven five. <laughs> for his service time last season. So, yes. <laughs> that is your... I admit that the Blue Jays still have that flux in what's going on in our fifth spot, but if you're just randomly throwing a name in right now automatically on the Red Sox side, Brendan, I feel like we have to be at least putting a point in our column for the Blue Jays pitching staff over the, the Boston Red Sox right now. I would say the Red Sox probably, if you went, if, if both Sale and Ryu are healthy, they're pretty equal. I mean, when you go back and look at Ryu when he's healthy, he's extremely good, one of the top pitchers in baseball. I may give a slight advantage to Sale since he stayed healthy, but after that, you go with Valdi, Martin Perez, Eduardo Rodriguez bounces up and down every year, kind of like Porcello has done, and Matt Hall against some stability, kind of, depending on how Roark, Shoemaker, Anderson, and Barucki do. It's close. I'll be honest. If I'm trying to be as neutral as possible, it's close. But I think stability-wise and knowing what you'll get, I may give a very slight edge 
to the Blue Jays in the rotation, but that's just me. I'm sure we get pillaged by it if a Red Sox fan hears this. <laughs> so, well, I'm going to play devil's advocate here because if I'm looking at the guys that the Red Sox have in the starting rotation versus the guys on our side, I'm looking at it from a different perspective from you a little bit here just for the sake of argument. Based on raw stuff, <laughs> the Red Sox, I think, have us. Eduardo Agreed. Rodriguez and Nathan Abaldi are just freaking nasty if they're on. And Martin Perez isn't too far off, in my opinion, as well. Matt Hall, I think, is your wild card in that situation. But I lump Ryu, Anderson, Roark, Shoemaker, and Baraki Kaiavalo in the same mold of pitcher, where they're not relying on their ridiculous stuff. Ryu's got crazy spin and has tons of movement on it on his pitches, but I feel like that's kind of what we're getting with all five of those guys. You don't yeah. have somebody like no, no, no. Sale that's just going out and throwing bullets. <laughs> so I would say, okay, well, bringing that into the equation where I 100% agree, Red Sox have the edge in stuff when you look at it. If they're all healthy and the Red Sox get some consistency, then they have a chance to actually be quite better. But I think when you look at it from a health and stability and consistency standpoint, the Blue Jays may take the edge there. Potentially, because Sale was injured last year, Eduardo Rodriguez is inconsistent. Nathan Ovaldi, who the hell knows what Ovaldi's going to do this season, because when he was a starter with the Yankees, he was extremely inconsistent, and he did it again when he was with the Red Sox. And then Price is gone, so he's, uh, I'm still looking at the Dutch chart, so screw I even said Dave Price. But Martin Perez had a great year with the Twins. Who knows if he's going to repeat that. Before that, Martin Perez was barely clinging on to a starter's job. It's close, man. It definitely is close. It is close. Very close. Uh, You can look at it in both ways, and I think both answers are correct. Stuff, Red Sox, potential for injuries and consistency and everything, Blue Jays may have a slight edge. So at a minimum right now, it sounds like we're at a tie. Let's go with a tie. I'm down to go with a tie. I I don't want to call a winner either way. (laughs) All right. Any (laughs) who's. Do you want to move along to the bullpen? Let's go to the bullpen because this one's actually interesting because if you go look at the Blue Jays, Jeff Car- I'll list the first seven. Ken Giles, Wilmer Font, Anthony Bass, Jordan Romano, Shania Maguchi, Sam Gavilio, and seventh on the Blue Jays' bullpen depth chart right now is Sean Reed Foley. Interesting Whoa, enough. That's different. Yeah. Because I'll I know, show right? you what I'm getting on mine, and it's Ken Giles, Bass, Yamaguchi, Dallas, Panone, right. Gavilio. And then they're actually showing Font and Trent Thornton as the Weird. last parts of the bullpen on my, where I'm getting my info from. And either way, so, that collective group, you have a yeah. lot of mixed things going on there. <laughs> so I completely forgot about Dolis, and apparently so did the BlueJays.com depth chart, maybe because it's not officially. Has it been officially announced? I'm not um, sure if it has. It doesn't say on here. It just says that he That's was a free agent signing from the Japan League on here. So Interesting. But it says so on January 20th, so I guess that would be official. <laughs> yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> uh, <I don't> <laughs> Something's going wrong. So yeah, let's roll with that list of names. They now also you go to the Red say David Price on here, too, so I'll give you how close they're <laughs> official. There you go. So moving to the Red Sox side of things, you have Brandon Workman, Penciled in as the closer right now. Matt Barnes. You know what? Matt Barnes is all right. I'll give him that. Uh, Josh Taylor. Um, Heath Embry. 
Darwinson Hernandez, who I've never really heard of before. Marcus Walden, free agent, <laughs> and yeah, and Ryan Brazier. So there's your top seven there for the Red Sox according to the MLB.com depth chart. Nearly similar uh, on the Red Sox that, site. So. It is. It's but a collection as of guys. Far as I think we're back to similar stuff. But if you look at the main part of the bullpen, which is what everybody draws their attention to, Brandon Workman isn't even in the same remote ballpark as Ken Giles is as a closer. No. Not even close. <laughs> so I'm putting Brandon Workman more in the Ryan Tapera ballpark. He can be really good, but you really don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed with that. So, But I really like what the Blue Jays have done with what they've done in the rotation and what has moved some of these talented arms into the bullpen. I don't agree with them penciling Tom Pannone as the lefty in the bullpen. Neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> Who did they have on the lefty on your on your side? Well, looking at it now, it doesn't even look like any of the top seven guys are lefty. You know they're not going to uh, go north of the board without a lefty. <laughs> I know. So that's, that's interesting because if you go further down, well, after Reed Foley, they have A.J. Cole, uh, Justin Miller. Who is this? Somebody. Uh, John, yeah, Justin, <laughs> Justin Miller, <laughs> Hector Perez, Patrick Murphy, Jacob Wagaspeck, Tom Pannone is down at the bottom, and Ryan Dell, the uh, minor league side. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say. Alice Luciano will get a shot before some of those guys. <laughs> uh, probably. <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> I had to do it. Yeah. So, but where, yeah. Where do, you, where do we go here? This is uh, this is a tough one. I'll be honest. I think I'm giving points to our bullpen just from that fact that Workman is not a close lockdown closer. That's my. I'm on board with that. Where everything no. else, I think, is equal ground at best. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think both bullpens are, are are big wild cards, but the Blue Jays have that one piece that the Red Sox don't, and that's Ken Giles. So. Let's go with the Blue Jays. We'll chalk it up. <laughs> and I will make the one argument that most of this bullpen that we're seeing here for the Boston Red Sox is last year's bullpen. Right. And, and last the, year's bullpen was terrible. Exactly. <laughs> Where at least the Blue Jays have taken the pieces that were working in Gavilio, Font, and Ken Giles, obviously. And they've actually exploded that out a little bit by bringing in Delis and uh, Bass and Yamaguchi. Yeah, right. Yamaguchi's going to be the setup guy in this thing if he's not in the rotation as it is so him and Giles at the end of this thing are going to look pretty nice and then having the resurgence of what we saw with Wilmer Font last year with some stability like Sam Gavilio I feel like we're winning the bullpen against the Boston Red Sox on paper I let's chalk it up buddy we'll chalk it up <laughs> okay point Blue Jays so we're winning yes so catcher <laughs> catcher Craig, Danny Jansen and Reese McGuire going head-to-head with Christian Vasquez and Kevin Ploiecki, the signing from the New York Mets. Where do you lean here? I wonder how much of that's actually the same freaking argument. <laughs> you got <laughs> Ploiecki is defense first, very solid defender. He's been known to be that, which is what you're expecting to get from Reese McGuire. Yes, there is a chance that Reese McGuire may have actually taken that offensive stride last season. But I'm right now I got to go off of his minor league numbers and saying that he is a decent hitter with crazy glove. And I think that's what you get out of Kevin Plowicki. 
Christian Vasquez might push it over towards the Red Sox for me. I mean, he had a pretty incredible season a year ago. Um, but it's close. I mean, I think from a depth perspective, um, the fact that Reese and Jansen could probably give you equal value uh, could make it closer. But I think on this one, just with Christian Vasquez alone, especially him behind the plate uh, in his it's arm. Known, right? <laughs> I know it's tough. I think I might lean Red Sox here, but you know what? Common theme, Craig, from these three that we've gone through so far, it's, it's close. close. It is getting close on a lot. <laughs> I need to start writing this down as I'm losing it. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. Absolutely. Write it down. Maybe we can return to this midseason and see if we're right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So starting pitching, not Actually, relief. We win. <laughs> yes. Catcher, let's give to Boston. Okay. I think I think the next one we're going to get to Boston too, Craig, and uh, that is DH right now. Rowdy Telez is penciled in there. Tioscar is listed below him, but we'll go with Rowdy up against JD Martinez. I think we know who we're choosing. <laughs> JD Martinez has been only a what perennial MVP candidate for the last what five years. Uh, yeah, that's that, that's a quick one. No debate there. Oh, <laughs> Let's right. the first base. DH. As much as I want to get rowdy, it ain't there yet. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. This ain't, this ain't the time. This ain't the time. <laughs> so, right. first base, Travis Shaw against Mitch Moreland. Mitch Moreland, you know, kind of a guy who's been somewhat consistent. Not nothing flashy. Travis Shaw, if he bounces back to previous Milwaukee days, could be really good for this team. So I don't know about you, Craig, but my first inclination is to go Blue Jays with Travis Shaw and play that at first base. I'm going to call this as the – I'm counting on the continued decline of Mitch Moreland at the age of 35 this year, <laughs> yeah. where I'm going to err on the side of youth and coming back to what should be his, new, his normal, in my opinion, in Travis Shaw. At a minimum, I think this is a wash, but I do think I'm with you – that it is leaning Toronto Blue Jays for Travis Shaw at first base. Plus the flexibility thing you actually get with Travis Shaw. So I guess we can use that as the factor, right? Mitch Moreland's never going to play yeah. anything but first base and DH. <laughs> Travis Shaw it is, baby. Boom. Put it down. <laughs> Locked it. Now, I think the next one we might be going Blue Jays here too. Kevin Biggio against Jose Peraza. Peraza who had a pretty bad season. A year ago with the Cincinnati Reds. The year before, though, Peraza had a pretty good season with a 288 average, 326 OBP, for only 14 home runs. Kevin Biggio hit 16 this past year. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going Kevin here. Uh, the other fun part of Peraza is was it real or not? Yep. Uh, At least Kevin Biggio has been progressively it. getting better. So. Biggio's got the ceiling for sure. Blue Jay points. Yay! Blue Jay points. <laughs> so this, this next one, Craig, is uh, going to be fascinating to revisit at midseason. Uh, Bo Bichette at shortstop against Xander Bogarts, who, yes, only hit 33 home runs with 117 RBI only. and a 384 OBP. Yeah, he had a damn good season. What Bo happens Bichette, if I though, extrapolate Bo Bichette's numbers <laughs> through 162 games? <laughs> If you go, if you want to do it, man, in 196 at bats, 11 home runs, he had a 3.58 OBP and a 3.11 average. So I mean, if you extrapolate that, 
Yeah, I mean, that's pretty TV. phenomenal. It's like, yeah, it is. It absolutely He's is. where he wants so. to be, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I think the right thing to do as if things stand today, it's probably easily, well, I would say easily, actually. I think it is Xander Bogarts, but revisiting it mid-season, would it at all surprise you if we would have Bo Bichette ranked higher than Xander Bogarts? Maybe not by much. But I think people would. At least talking on the same pages when American League shortstops go. I think those two are going to be in a similar breath come midseason. Completely so. agree. Completely agree. Except so, right now, Bogarts has got to be one of the better reds, or better shortstops in the American League. Probably, period. Yes. Right? And the fact that he has the track record where I'm counting on all Bobochette upside <laughs> I can't make that argument to not give the Red Sox a point here. So this next one, Craig, is again in the exact same mold as the one we just discussed at shortstop. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. against Rafael Devers. Both very similar players. Devers came in uh, in 2017 and hit 10 home runs at a 284 average and a 338 OBP. Next season, struggled. Devers in 450 at-bats, 21 home runs, 66 ribbies, a 240 average, and a 298 OBP. But then Devers took off to 32 home runs, 115 RBI, 311 batting average, and a 361 OBP. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., after year one, 15 home runs, 69 RBI, a 272 batting average, and a 333 OBP. Now, I think... Craig, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. could take the step that Devers did from 2018 to 2019. That was Devers' third season. I think Vlad Jr. can take an extremely similar step going into season number two, which would, in turn, theoretically could be Vlad Jr. at midseason, don't you think? Right now, I if I'm looking at these two, I'm just excited for being both fan bases because Devers is what I think the that Vladimir, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to be as early as this year. And I don't see that being a problem with what we've been seeing in our off-season footage already, especially in our new blues. <laughs> He's in his best shape of his life. <laughs> so as far as it goes, I am literally barely penciling Raphael Devers in is a win on this one because I don't think the ceiling – I think Raphael Devers, what we saw last year, that's his ceiling. He had a very spurtsy season, Brendan. If you look at his monthly splits and stuff, there's some ups and downs in that where I think that Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s bat is going to carry him around wherever the hell he wants to go. So right now, like I said, on paper, I'm barely giving Rafael Devers the win on this one over Vlad. I agree. Chalk it up to the Red Sox, but uh, that is barely. I think we will revisit at midseason both Bichette versus Bogarts and Devers versus Vlad. And I think a more convincing argument for Vlad will be made than uh, Bo and Bogart's battle. But it'll be close. So two points for the Red Sox there on that side of the diamond. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Three more, Craig. Three more. Left field right now is penciled into the Lourdes Guerrero Jr., who had 314 at-bats only. Had 40, or sorry, 20 home runs, 50 RBI, 277 average and a 327 OBP. In 541 at bats, Andrew Benintendi 
hit 13 home runs with 68 RBI, a 266 batting average, and a 343 OBP. Very similar looking players when you look at stolen bases, average, and OBP for the most part. I think Lourdes brings you some more power than Benintendi does, but where are you leading here? Right now, I think they're the same player. I do too. I do like the upside I've seen out of Lourdes Gurriel Jr., especially knowing what his brother has done over the last few years. Trash cans aside. <laughs> love it. I love that reference. <laughs> I couldn't help it. <laughs> so, so in my opinion, I'm just edging Loris Gurriel Jr. over Andrew Benintendi, and I think that's just because I haven't seen what I thought I would see from Andrew Benintendi after watching him in the minor leagues as much as I did. I agree. I remember how much Red Sox fans were hyping up Andrew Benintendi to be this next superstar, and it just kind of hasn't happened. He's a solid player. I would 100% take Andrew Benintendi on this current Blue Jays roster. But, uh, yeah, I don't think he's lived up to what people have thought he was going to be. I was led to believe that he was going to be the next superstar in a Red Sox uniform. And watching him play in the minor leagues, I was not questioning that at all, Brendan. So all of a sudden to see him just kind of be, I'm going to say, a good, a very good outfielder. He is not a superstar and that's why I think at this point where you got Loris Gurriel Jr. kind of performing exactly the same as him, but we've seen what a Gurriel can do in the majors and his brother, and the fact that Loris freaking really was just destroying baseballs for a very extended amount of peri- period this past season, and then got hurt and derailed his season, I'm siding with Loris Gurriel Jr. Let's do it. Chalk it up, buddy. Okay, left field points. <laughs> <laughs> So center field is interesting. Teoscar Hernandez, who in 417 at-bats hit 26 home runs, 65 RBI, 230 batting average, and a 306 OBP, going up against Jackie Bradley Jr., who in 494 at-bats hit 21 home runs, 62 RBI, so both very close in those totals, with a 225 average, very close again, and a 317 OBP, yet again, very, very close. Uh, and their stolen bases were actually pretty close as well. When you look at it, Teoscar had six. Jackie Bradley Jr. had eight. So they seem identical, don't they? <laughs> Almost too identical, especially when you think that the both of them have been up and down the majors all the last couple of years. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's almost I hope that we follow that same kind of line continually and they both continue to trend up. I don't know if I can declare a winner in this one at all. I really think they're almost the same identical player at this point in their careers. I don't know Let's give you. it a tie. <laughs> Let's give it a tie because I, uh, I agree. Like no clear cut there, so that it a minimum is no. all. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, the only I'm, thing, I'm if I was going to give an edge, I do like what I have seen from Teoscar Hernandez playing center field with the ball actually being hit straight at him instead of hooking left and right, <laughs> not in the right. Jackie Bradley Jr. does have him on defense. <laughs> he does. He absolutely does. There's no doubt about that. So, so there's only a slight edge, but it's a wash. Yeah. We'll give it a wash. Washing. Um, so this one, the last one that we will go through tonight, Randall Grichik in right field against Mookie Betts. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so behind Mookie Betts on this depth chart, Craig is Jose, or sorry, JD Martinez. My guess is that either Andrew Benintendi will eventually make his way into right, or Alex Verdugo 
will go into right field and slot in there seamlessly. Now, Verdugo had himself a good season with the Dodgers last year. I'm just bringing up his numbers. And 377 plate appearances. He had 12 home runs, 44 RBI, a 294 batting average with a 342 OBP. And, yeah, we'll stop it there because uh, Randall Grittick's page I have up doesn't show that on MLB.com. Verdugo is going to take the job. There's no doubt about it, in my opinion, because they just don't have enough depth in the right in the outfield to not give him the job. And he had a good season. Why not? I know he's young, but who cares? We've seen weirder things. He's the same age as Raphael Devers. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't – I'm – I think I have to give Randall Grichuk the points just because you know you're going to get 20 bombs, 30 bombs out of him. Yep, I uh, I think that's fair. I mean, there's more to like as an overall player with uh, Verdugo, but as of right now, given the fact that he'll just be entering his first full season uh, with the Boston Red Sox uh, and first full season as a major leaguer, uh, I think the established Randall Grichuk, who hit 31 bombs with 80 RBI, is uh, could be the choice here. So I would give the point to the Blue Jays. Uh, but that, if we revisit at midseason, would not surprise me if that swings back in favor of the Red Sox with Verdugo. He's a good player. I agree with that. But right now, based on face value, you know what you're getting with Randall Grichik. And in all technicality, there's still upside there, too. And we're hoping we get that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so... Do you want the do you want the tally here so we can put it up on the board? <laughs> put it up on the board, sir. So, we literally edged the Boston Red Sox out on paper score, position to position, because our bullpen by wow. one point, <laughs> five to four. Wow! <laughs> because of the ties, the fact that the we gave ties, a chalk up yeah. between the uh, center field position and the and the uh, starting pitching. The bullpen and the uh, <laughs> the bullpen is the basically the main decider. <laughs> Thank you, Ken Giles. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and you all want to trade? No, I'm <laughs> so, but Brendan, other than that, I know um, this episode is now running a little bit over an hour. Should we quickly tease the coming countdown with our just missed? candidates on our countdown here and we don't have to go in detail on any of these because a couple of them honestly I don't know how to pronounce even yet because <laughs> they're that low on the Blue Jays depth chart but they are very talented young players but going into our top 30 Brendan we have a few extra ones here left and I'll just go from what became more or less our 31 through 38 it's uh we got 38 Yazver Zuleta, and then <laughs> Pianel Brito. 36 was Jackson McClelland. That's a guy we know. 35, Kyle Johnson, Esteban Machado, Josh Winkowski, Ryan Noda, and then at 31, Yasni Diaz. There's a couple guys that we had on our depth chart a lot higher in recent years, and I don't think that's because of recent performance that they slid down to these places. Go ahead and hit me with who you want to talk about first from the bottom up. You know, Josh Winkowski really put himself on the map for uh, for me last season. You just kind of heard it, kind of like Joey Murray, where he just kind of kept on hearing his name pop up by the Blue Jays beat writers, and it kind of seemingly happened out of nowhere. So Winkowski would not surprise me 
if by midseason he rises over the likes of like a Hector Perez, who's ranked a little higher on our list, or maybe another starting pitcher who's down there, like a NBPS, potentially, depending on what happens. But Winkowski seems like he has all the tools. Kyle Johnston is another one who's interesting. Um, uh, I have him on my list, low uh, on my list, I'll say that now. Uh, but he got, or we got him in the Daniel Hudson trade. I don't know how much Johnston will uh, come out to be. He, it's possible he may not even get to the major leagues. He just kind of is hanging around. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Johnston uh, for Daniel Hudson, it's a wild card uh, for me with him. But uh, he could factor into the bullpen eventually. But beyond that, uh, those were the two I really uh, stood out to me in terms of where they got ranked. Yeah, so just to put those out there, those guys were on a few people's lists as our collective group of, uh, you know, talented, you know, guests here that we did our fan voting here, did our own top 30 lists, and then more or less I applied fantasy baseball rotisserie scoring (laughs) to everybody's (laughs) stuff. So if they were the 30th guy, they got a point. If they were the number one guy, they got 30 points. And that's where all that wonderful math goes on that spreadsheet you're looking at. (laughs) So so just to put that out there, Jackson McClelland, he ended up getting, where'd he go? He got a whole three points and was ranked 36. <laughs> some of these other guys were some of our friends over at Prospects Live for Brito and Zuleta. Uh, we're able to, you know, just get them onto our top 38, basically. <laughs> Josh Winkowski actually got nine points, though, to slide into 33. And obviously we're going to go up from there, guys. But um, the next guy up that was just missing our uh, top 30 in Yesni Diaz, who I've always liked scoring 28 points, and just misses our top countdown. But, Brendan, that's how the cookies fall. <laughs> that's how the cookie crumbles, my friend. <laughs> well, I was thinking, as the, you know, whenever cookies fall at my house, the dogs get them. <laughs> so, A treat for the dogs. Exactly. They're everywhere. <laughs> the puppies everywhere right now, but that's just how it is. But... I think that this came out with a nice list as far as how much fun this is going to be, Brendan, is where this countdown came. It actually is going to create some good talking points from where some of the other major metrics have judged some of our prospects and from what our friends have collectively seen that we've had on our show. And we're going to have some of them on the show coming soon, Brendan. And next week we're hoping to have a special guest host, but we won't tease too much. (laughs) <laughs> no, don't, don't, don't tease who that is. Unfortunately, you will not hear me for the next two weeks. Oh, I know everybody's so sad. <laughs> My buddy. <laughs> so I do have to mention Yesni Diaz and Ryan Noda in the midst of this conversation because the new Greek god of walks in Ryan Noda and Blue Jays' philosophies go, he has been slightly insane with his numbers in the minor league level as far as walks and on-base percentage is concerned, but he has not taken that next step at the plate like many were hoping that he would have last year. And then Yesni Diaz, we got a brief, brief showing of him in Toronto, and I think everybody got to see how crazy his stuff is. The problem is that day he could not control it. <laughs> I think the jitters yeah, got moved to him. Everywhere. <laughs> yeah, literally everywhere. everywhere. Made Rick, Wa- Rick Wild thing Vaughn look <laughs> jealous, but didn't kill any batters, to, uh, cutouts or anything. So, But I think Gesney Diaz, at a minimum, is probably going to be at least a bullpen arm at some point if he can't manage to stick as a starter. I've had the pleasure of seeing him, and he is 
got some crazy good stuff and misses a lot of bats. So, like I said, Brendan, having a guy like him is a eventual maybe bullpen arm. That ain't bad. It ain't bad at all. It would not surprise me if we see him up at the big league level uh, at some point in 2020, and he will contribute, that is for sure. Sounds good, my friend. So before we run too long, is there anything you would like to get off your chest before you are gone for the next few weeks? Um, <laughs> not that I can think of, my friend. You know, it's been a, the last few weeks, pretty much ever since the reuse signing, it's been relatively quiet on uh, on the Blue Jays' end, which I think we can expect. They got a lot of their shopping done right before Christmas with Shaw and, and uh, Ryu all around the same time in Yamaguchi. So I think, honestly, Craig, I will say as my closing thoughts uh, before I head over to Europe, where they really don't care much about baseball, <laughs> is that I think this offseason has been a good one. I mean, compared to the last two years where they didn't really do anything, it was a lot of dumpster diving. Um, I think the majority, if not all of the moves that we've seen have potential to be really high impact and really high ceiling players that move the win total significantly high. Well, yeah, significantly higher. And even 10 wins on last year, I would count as significant. So I, I, I'm personally, I am happy the way the off season has gone. And I think that's a good way to wrap up the off season, considering that spring training uh, and pitchers and catchers report uh, next week, Wednesday, which is insane to say. To put a bow on our conversation, Mr. Panikar, wild card contender or not? Uh, I think this year will be a stepping stone to that next season, Craig. You know, <laughs> I only ask really because of our Red Sox conversation. That's the I only know, reason I'm I being know. a dick and putting you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. I like being put on the spot. I think uh, I want to believe that there could be some semi-exciting mid-August baseball. Like if the Blue Jays are hovering around 500, let's say, Craig, by the time the Chicago Cubs come here, which is right in the middle of August when that Star Wars thing is happening at the Rogers Center. They're hanging around 500 there. All you need is a little bit of a win streak, and you are right in wildcard contention. If they're hanging around 500 in August and that gets into mid-August, anything can happen. But I think they'll fall a little bit short of that. I'm hoping, personally, for 500. I think that will be a really successful season. And with another major addition or two, either at the deadline or next off season, this team will be ready to compete for not just a wild card spot, but potentially for the division. All I heard is on the cusp. On the cusp is correct. Hey, I think it says so much that so many MLB beat writers, and these aren't Canadians, these are Americans who don't even cover the team all that often, oh, other than free agent signings and news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the fact that so many have said the are potential dark horse, it just it, that's exciting because that, those were words that were not uttered over the last two or three seasons since 2016 wrapped up. So hey, I think people should start taking notice that people are taking notice of this team. So get excited. 
That's all I can quote that we're going to be basically trying to do our best Buck Martinez impression all season. Get up, get up, get up in the rankings. <laughs> yeah, that is the perfect way to put it. <laughs> I think I got to end it on that one, my friend. So it's been a pleasure being back on the show here with you this week. Um, safe travels, and we're going to make sure we have some good fun to talk about when you get back for your hosting week two weeks from now. But we got some fun things planned between now and then. So, anyways, Brendan, to end this like we usually do. Let's go, Blue Jays. <laughs> Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.